But can I say, yeah, I'm ready to go Like weed seeds in the pot, yeah, I'm ready to grow And I don't care if the growth is fast or slow Grow my fan base, cause that's what really matters the most I see the top of y'all, swear I'm so close You ain't taking medication, let me give you a dose I am the realest in the end, that's not no quote Let's see who disagrees, raise your hand to vote Welcome to the Heat, episode 17. Happy Tuesday. We hope your week is starting off great. I'm your host, Dale, along with my co-host, Webb. What's going on, y'all? Let's get straight to it. You already know we got them facts for you, them numbers, and everyone has an opinion, but not everyone backs up with the facts. Feel free to send us your questions or your topics that you would like us to cover at anchor.fm forward slash feel the heat forward slash message. Also, I want to update, haven't had a chance to talk to Webb about it. But I am trying to incorporate Feel the Heat podcast with um, my BYM, Be Your Own MVP Sports um, website.com and brand. So that should be up and running in about 48 hours. You'll be able to access all our podcasts through that site. And also check what else we're doing with our athletes of the week and athletes that I have been covering since the beginning of NCAA season football. And um, if you guys like it, check it out. Again, that's going to be bymsports.com. It's not up and running yet, but it should be running in about 48 hours. Check it out. Let us know what you think. All right. So, NCAA Week 7 had a huge upset as South Carolina upset Georgia in overtime. Georgia had a chance to tie it in overtime, but missed a field goal. Is Georgia's national championship hopes out of the picture? I believe so. But with five weeks left in the regular season, there's no room for error. Georgia may as well kiss the goodbye unless they can somehow figure out how to get to the SEC championship and get a blowout win versus whoever they meet up from the west um, west side of the SEC conference. But we'll get right into it. Florida versus Georgia recap. Kyle got the numbers. He's got the news for you. Talk to me. Florida versus Georgia? Oh, excuse me. Florida versus LSU. I'm sorry. Florida versus LSU. All right. Anyway, behind the scenes, when LSU was ranked around 7 or 8, I said, well, you know this. I said they were the lowest tank, the lowest ranked team I thought that could beat Bama. And I still believe that. But and I know what I'm saying by by saying that, but I mean Joe Burrow, 21 for 24, 293 yards and three touchdowns. And no picks on a Florida team leading the nation in interceptions. And they had two receivers with at least 120 they have at least two receivers with 120 uh, receiving yards on 10 or less catches with at least one touchdown and no sacks for a Florida team that leads the SEC in sacks I mean Clyde Edwards Hilaire 13 rushes 134 yards two touchdowns like I said before Florida has a good defense LSU's offense is just better uh, Kyle Trask 23 for 29 and one pick in the end zone that would have tied the game at 35. But the first half, both teams were basically even just going drive for drive, moving the ball, making plays. And at halftime, it was 21. It, the score was even at 21. And they needed, uh, coming out of the half, Florida actually took a one-touchdown lead. And they needed that lead, and they couldn't hold it. And LSU is not a team that you can go 
strike for strike for because their offense is just too potent. Yeah, and I, like you said earlier, um, when you were speaking, you said um, at beginning in the beginning of the podcast show, you said the LSU has the best chance to beat Alabama, and we'll be able to see that next month in November when they face up. So I think that you're right as far as it goes in the SEC. I think that you're right. Um, I, said, I said that they were the lowest ranked team at the time when they were ranked around seven or eight. That could beat Alabama. <clears throat> Yeah, and I think we have a good chance at seeing that um, happen, actually, on, in November. Go ahead to Oklahoma versus Texas. I think that Texas tested Oklahoma early and often, but they ran out of gas just like any other team that had tried to test Oklahoma. It's another week in the books, and Jalen Hurts looked great, poised, and confident. Week by week, he's running away with the Heisman Trophy. Give me the numbers on that, Webb. Um, Jalen Hurts. 16 for 28, 235 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. He also rushed for 131 yards and one touchdown, and he did have one fumble. Yeah, at the end of the day, Texas just didn't have enough for Oklahoma. It looked like it was going to be a really good game in that first, you know, first half, but next thing you know, here comes Oklahoma, and they couldn't they couldn't bring down C.D. Lamb. There was one play where he was surrounded by at least six guys from Texas, and they they couldn't tackle him, and he yeah. scored for touchdown. Yeah, I mean, C.D. Lamb, he had 171 yards receiving and all three of Jalen Hurts' uh, passing touchdowns. I mean, in Oklahoma's defense had nine sacks. So let's not forget that. Uh, Sam Ellinger, 23 for 37, 205 yards, no touchdowns. I mean, overall, Oklahoma, they got a steady lead, and they held it. They got a seven-point lead, and they held it. Um, they were never down in this game and I didn't think they were going to lose I really didn't nope. and who was your player of the week my player of the week was actually C.D. Lamb 10 receptions 171 yards and 3 touchdowns I mean come on that's pretty impressive that's an NFL type game right there um, as far as stats wise he looked really good looked really good a lot of people were saying he wasn't being used a lot, too much in the offense. But the last two weeks, he's been very, very good for um, the Oklahoma Sooners, I who mean, are now – go ahead. No, go ahead and finish what you were going to say. I was going to say with the new AP rankings, they have Alabama, LSU, Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. And if somehow, if somehow one of those teams in the top four could lose, um, Oklahoma could get in the top four. Right. And like I said uh, on the last episode, I said that Jalen Hurts could throw it just as good as Sam Ellinger and run it, rush it, run it with his legs even better. And I believe he did that. I mean, he did throw one interception and have one fumble, but you're throwing three touchdowns for 235 yards, 28 passes. He might throw one. Yeah, it's hard to beat a game this this like that. Um, my player of the week was Randall Grimes, University of um, Nevada, Las Vegas. He had three receptions for 76 yards, one touchdown, and one big win over an SEC school, Vanderbilt. The first time UNLV excuse me, has beaten an SEC team on the road in program history. 
Um, three receptions for 76 yards is pretty impressive, especially for a team that is a a run-first offense. And I, I believe the running back had like 150 yards rushing. Um, and the quarterback, I think, had 100 yards rushing. So, um, shout out to uh, Randall Grimes, cool, cool dude. Talked to him a couple times. Um, wishing him the best success on the season. He just transferred to UNLV from USC last year. So we will see um, how the season continues to go on for him and for the UNLV Rebels. If nothing else, we're going to go ahead and move forward to the NFL. Uh, week six. Recap. So, um, yeah, the NFL week six. It brought us our annual tank ball with the Redskins as they traveled to Miami. This was a game to determine who will select either two or Hurts as their quarterback. I mean, I know that the Redskins just got um, Haskins as their quarterback, but doesn't look like they have a lot of belief in him right now. And what I don't understand for Miami is you had a chance to tie the game with a field goal after uh, Fitzpatrick. Is, is that Fitz, Fitzgerald? Excuse me. That is last name, right? Ryan Fitzgerald? Fitzpatrick? Fitzpatrick. Kirkpatrick, I think. Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick. Yeah. I can't Threw remember. a touchdown pass. I always get him mixed up with Fitzgerald, Fitzpatrick, right. and, you know, whatever. It's not like he's very, very popular. He was for um, a few minutes when he was with Tampa replacing Jameis Winston, but he threw a touchdown pass, you know, with like maybe 15 seconds left in the game to Devontae Parker, but the coach decides to go for two instead of tying up the game with a field goal. And I think that play call was just terrible. And maybe next time, um, for the Dolphins. They're still winless. The Redskins got their win. I think I was wrong a couple weeks ago. We had money on the show on, on Friday and I thought that um, maybe the Dolphins had a better chance to get the win. But I've, obviously our, our winless teams to win um, this week were the Redskins and surprisingly the Jets against the Cowboys, which we can get into that in a little bit. Um, but let's jump right into the, our player of the week and then we'll go into our Fluka Real section. Who's your player of the week? Uh, Russell Wilson, uh, 29 for 35, 300 yards passing and three touchdowns. I've, he's putting on a clinic this season and I don't, I don't see anybody else getting MVP at the end of the season. Do you? I mean, no, right now the way he's playing is out of his mind. He hasn't even thrown one pick. So yeah, he's my pick right now for MVP. Who's your player of the week? I'm going to go with Stefan Diggs. He's been in a rough patch with the Vikings um, amidst the trade rumors and rumors of him being unhappy with the Vikings and Kirk Cousins. He had seven receptions for 167 yards and three touchdowns and the W. Um, he just kept attacking the Eagles secondary and it didn't look like he, he wanted to slow down. And we all know this, the Eagles secondary has been very terrible this season. Well, tell me something real quick. Uh, a couple weeks ago, what has the overall message about Kirk Cousins been for probably the last two weeks if you just had to just give a quick word on it? Oh, that he's trash and the Vikings should find a way to, you know, leverage his con his contract and then get it out of the, get it out of their um their books and bring in somebody else because he's holding back both Diggs and Thielen. And also that the Vikings are focused on running and not throwing a ball. And I believe these last two games, he's thrown around six or seven touchdowns and probably about 500-ish yards. 
Uh, would that would you say that's correct? Yeah, it's about right. So that's the that's the real. Is that fluke? Would you say that's fluke, or is or, or are you buying it? No, I'm buying it. I mean, Kirk Cousins makes some questionable decisions, but at the end of the day, I think he's a solid quarterback. Is he a hundred million dollar quarterback? No. With all the money guaranteed, no, he's not. But when he's in the right mind frame and he's focused in on his offense and making the best play and not the home run play, Kirk Cousins is pretty good. Yeah, because I've always felt like Kirk Cousins was the safe kind of passing quarterback, you know? Didn't really take too many risks, but when he did, it didn't always go so well. But, I mean, as of late... He's throwing the ball pretty well. And I know we've seen flashes of that last season, but we didn't expect him to be very consistent with it. But I'm I'm wondering, is this a new Kirk Cousins? Is he going to respond to all the criticism or whether he might go back to being bad? You know what? I don't, I'm not really sure it's a, it's a new Kirk Cousins because I feel like we've seen this over like the last maybe two or three seasons with Kirk Cousins. He he he's really good for a certain period of time and above what we can put him at sometimes. Then he goes back to that complacent, kind of unsure type of Kirk Cousins that we have seen where he makes um that passes that we don't think he, he should make, you know. But I think right now with the Vikings, they have a really good offense. I mean, they have two receivers that can have a hundred yards receiving any game that they want or more. And then you add in Dalvin Cook and then you then you add in Madison behind him and they have a really solid team overall. They have a one-two punch at wide receiver and a one-two punch at running back. I think it's just finding balance for him, good play calls for him, keeping him protected so he doesn't have to make those rational throws. I mean, I know that's a reason why you pay your quarterback, but it's also the reason why you pay your line. Your old line has to do their job too to make the quarterback job a little bit easier. Okay. So as of today, would you pick Kirk Cousins or Dak Prescott to be on your team just for today? I have to pick Kirk. I have to pick Kirk. Especially because the uh the Cowboys lost to the I mean, we we could just jump right into it since you brought it up the fluke of real section. Um the Cowboys, they're up, they're up on our board. They're three and three. Um, they're on a three-game losing streak. I think they're fluke. They're, they start off the, their season with a three-game win streak against some of the worst teams in the NFL, the Giants, the Redskins, and the Dolphins, who were all winless. And two of those teams, just get, one of them just got a win for the first time last week. So, I don't know. I think through week six, their defense is ranked at number nine. Their offense, Their total offense is ranked at number two. But they aren't really playing like it. So, it makes me question... So you're saying they're overrated? Excuse me? So you're saying they're overrated, basically. Um, Okay, so really, you know numbers don't lie. They are the top 10 in both categories for total offense and total defense, okay? But when it comes to play tougher ranked opponents, I think those numbers are a little bit slighted because they haven't really played anybody in the last couple of games that they have played. Somebody hasn't been pretty for them either. But... I really think for the Cowboys, they're fluke because of their play calling, because of their coach. It's time for him to get out of there. 
I mean, how much longer do you keep a guy who's not really doing nothing? You have some of the best talent in the NFL, and you're not really doing nothing with what you got. You are the reason the play calling is the reason that the Cowboys are food. I mean, to me personally, I like Kellen Moore's uh, offense. I like his scheme. Um, it's not too one-dimensional. One, too one-dimensional. I'm sorry, because uh, obviously we know Dallas has a good, a good, pretty good line. Who it's been better, but it's still pretty good. And they have Ezekiel Elliott, who led the league in rushing for two out of his three years. So. But they have a good passing game, too. The question mark is just Dak Prescott. You know what I mean? Um, Well, it's like, it's not really Dak. I think it's more Jason Garrett. The play calling. If you don't call plays that allows your quarterback to be good. I mean, I'm not not putting all the blame on the coach. But uh, it's just hard for the Cowboys right now. I think we just... We've seen them play the Saints, the Packers, um, and yesterday they played um, the Jets and lost. So it's just something missing here. You might be right with the Dak Prescott thing, though. I mean, I, obviously I think you're right pointing at Jason Garrett as your suspect number one because you see you have talent. They can produce. I mean, whether against it be against good teams or bad teams is still up for debate. But we'll, we shall see. But we've seen talent come and go. But Jason Garrett is—he's still there, and there's been a pattern of kind of being successful, but not really being successful. If you know what I mean. But right. And how long are you going to kind of be success- successful? When has kind of been being be successful? been a thing like that's not what teams hire a coach to do there's been coaches that have been fired in their first two weeks their first week their first day their first month haven't even been given a chance this guy's been getting many years to make a difference in Dallas and he hasn't really right all right let's move forward the Lions they are two two and one are they real or are they a fluke I think the Lions are the real deal this year. Matt Stafford is looking exponentially better. Well, I'm okay. He's shown flashes before in like the last two, three years of what he's been semi kind of doing consistently this year, which is making good reads, good passes. But honestly, against Green Bay, I'm going to put it on the reps. I really am because there was one pass interference call that was not called where Marvin Jones got ripped down across the shoulder before the ball had got there. And then two, illegal use of hands to the face on Trey Flowers, which were not to the neck or face mask. It was on the shoulder. And one of those one of those calls gave Green Bay a crucial first down. And then the next one gave sealed the game for Green Bay. So I'm going to put it on the referees because the Lions played a really good game. Yeah, I couldn't have said it any better. I, I agree with you. I think the Lions are the real deal. Um, unfortunately for them, the refs did screw them over last night against the Packers and two weeks ago against the Chiefs. <clears throat> the same, if you think about it, the same play that Stephon Diggs had this week in, in the end zone was called a touchdown for Diggs, but was called an incompletion for Kenny Galladay, which w- would have given the Lions 
a six-point lead over the Chiefs. So the Lions are the real deal. Their record right now reflected, but if you've been watching them, you've been seeing that they're really good. Their defense is playing. Their their corners are playing really good. Um, the Lions just have to bring it every night. They got to stay healthy. Yes. And to another point for the Lions, they have to stay um, disciplined and limit the penalties and the yards that they allow teams to give. I know a couple of those was given by the refs, but a couple of them are also on the team. Like the late hit on Aaron Rodgers, that was just unacceptable. And you have to be way more disciplined than that to win football um, in the NFL. All right, so the Texans are 4-2. and two. Are they real or are they a fluke? I think the Texans are the real deal. I mean, as long as Deshaun Watson stays healthy, who really is their playmaker, is their, is, that's their guy. As long as DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller has somebody that can get them the ball, I think they're. I think they'll be fine. Their defense is is okay. Their defense is okay. JJ Watt stays healthy. Um, Carlos Hyde, who does not, yeah, he plays for the Texans. Uh, he seems to be producing somewhat uh, better than I thought, considering with how mediocre their line is. But I think the Texans are the real deal as long as everybody can stay healthy. Yeah. See, for me, the Texans, they're not real, but they're not a fluke. They're somewhere in between only because of their inconsistency sometimes. And their offensive offensive line has done a better job at protecting Watson, giving him more time to create plays, but they need to do that consistently. Defense needs to play as well as they did against the Chiefs consistently. And then we can talk about them being real, but they're they're not a fluke either. I think they have a really good chance to um, make it to the a- to AFC um, conference, you know, championship. But it's going to be a long road for them, and it won't be easy. Um, the Ravens are they real or are they a fluke? I think the Ravens this year are a fluke. I mean, their defense it's it's okay, but it's it's suspect. It's okay, but I think it's suspect. I think uh, Lamar Jackson is just not ready to to be in the Super Bowl, let alone win one. Uh, I just don't I just don't believe in the Ravens yet. The Ravens have talent; they have potential. I think they just need more time to develop. I just don't I don't think Lamar Jackson is ready. Fair enough. Um, they did beat Cincy, though. They did beat Cincy, though. But Cincinnati's not a very good team, especially without A.J. Green. It's been shockingly mediocre this season, which isn't too much of a surprise, but I expected a little more. I mean, um, Cincinnati, I think they're another winless team that we don't talk about enough um, about their struggles. But that's something maybe we could talk about next episode or something like that or the week week following next week. My thing with the Ravens is they're top five in total offense. They're actually number one, um, top 15 in total defense. But they are so shaky at times. And it's tough to watch um, them sometimes. They have to learn how to play to the strength of Lamar Jackson, which they did against Cincinnati. But 
we get into tougher matchups, they're going to have to do that as well. And um, the defense is going to need to step up. So with that I mean, being said, go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, because Marquise Brown, who's hurt right now with an ankle injury, he leads the team in targets. And do you think going forward against against teams like maybe the Cowboys, maybe uh, just uh, stronger teams, I don't think you can put it just in Marquise Brown and Lamar Jackson's hands. I don't think Lamar Jackson's ready. Neither is Marquise Brown. And like you said, they've been so shaky. Just adding to my, they're really kind of suspect. I mean, they've shown flashes. They can be good. I just don't think they can do it consistently. Yeah, and that's the thing. When you want to be a champion, even a champion of a division in the NFL, you have to be consistent day in and day out. Every game, every Sunday, Thursday, whatever day you're going to play, you have to be consistent. And that's for any of the teams. That's for the best of the best and the worst of the worst. You know, that's one thing we could say about the Patriots right now. Like, they're very consistent with their game plan and how they play the game. And that's why they're number one right now. And then you look at uh, the Dolphins. They're very consistent with how bad they are. And that's why they haven't won a game yet. So um, let's go ahead and uh, answer this question. It says, was the Dolphins the first team to give the blueprint on how to beat the Chiefs? What's your answer? You mean the Lions? Oh, my God. I can't talk to you. The Lions, yes. Was the Lions the first team to give the blueprint of how to beat the Chiefs? Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I think it was just a gradual kind of thing because in the beginning, Patrick Mahomes started off with, I don't know, over at least over ten touchdowns. And I mean, as far as probably exposing the fact that the Chiefs can't stop the run, maybe because the Lions utilize on Johnson in the run so much. But as far as exposing how to beat the Chiefs, I I don't think so. I think that was just, they just gradually revealed it themselves. I think that it's a combination of both, of both the Chiefs' flaws and the strengths of the Detroit Lions' defense. Um, Granted, the Chiefs did not have Tyreek Hill when they played the Lions, but they showed the league, if you put pressure on Mahomes and force him to think about throwing it to his favorite targets, you can slow him down a little bit. You know, don't give him the time to make a play for his favorite targets. Actually slow him down and make him think. You can force him into mistakes. They also revealed that the Chiefs are too flashy for their own good. They carry the ball loosely, so there's room to knock the ball out um, and force fumbles, which I believe the Lions forced three fumbles that game they played the Chiefs. And the Chiefs do not secure the ball and running. So if the refs, like I said earlier, if the refs would have called Galladay's reception a touchdown in the end zone, the Lions would have beat the Chiefs. So they have something to do with it because then you've seen how aggressive the Colts came out playing defense against the Chiefs. And, and then again this week, the, the Texans um, did the same thing. So it's a combination of both the Chiefs actually revealing who they are and then teams using that um, identity finder to – beat the Chiefs and use it to their strengths. I just want to I just want to remind you, I think didn't Tyreek Hill get hurt week 1 or week 2? He got hurt week 1 against the Jacks. And 
I think that's Pat Mahomes' favorite target other than Travis Kelsey, right? Mm-hmm. But so he also mean, likes to throw it to his run back, too, um, if you get him to swing out left or right, depending. Yeah. But Tyreek Hill just came back. Uh, he also had a, a very nice touchdown. But I think the Chiefs will be better now that he's back. They have... They can stretch the field farther. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. He, he definitely is a difference maker on the field for the Chiefs, but um, we'll see how they adjust to, you know, their loss uh, in the coming weeks. All right. So as we get ready to wrap up here, we got a little bit of NBA news. Not too much. Anthony Davis MRI did come back on Monday clean which is good news for the Lakers as they have opening day from seven days from now. And the city of angels will be at an all time clash with the Lakers visiting the Clippers at the Staples center where they both play their home games at. And other news, um, MLB playoff updates, the national league matchup nationals versus the Cardinals Cardinals. Nationals hold a three to zero lead lead tonight. They play game four in Washington. I see a sweep coming or possibly the greatest comeback in sports, which I don't think the Cardinals are fit to win four straight to win the series. In the American League matchup, we have the Yankees versus the Astros. This series tie is at one to one. They are currently playing right now, and the Astros are up. One to zero. I believe they are in the second inning right now. Jose Altuve has an RBI brought in George Springer to give them a one run lead. If nothing else from Webb, then we're going to go ahead and wrap up. We're going to catch you on Friday, maybe Saturday morning. Um, we're not sure exactly which day yet for our games of the week and predictions. I'm all set. Let's wrap it up. All right, so thank you for joining us. Um, We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Send in your questions, your topics at anchor.fm forward slash field the heat forward slash message or on Twitter at field the heat underscore KW. Once again, I'm your host, Day. I was here with my co-host, Webb. You just listen to field the heat. Have a good day.